Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got a Podcast where we read your mail. And why don't you shorten that to We've Got Mail? Stupid. You're stupid. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> this is a terrible business meeting. <laughs> this could have been an email. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is We've Got Mail. My name is William Bibiani. I, I'm usually a bit of a nicer guy. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I'm, I, I suppose I'm the bitterer one. Typically, uh, yes. Uh, for the purposes of this podcast, you can call me Rockmeister Cool. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I, I don't tend to have nicknames. You can just call me Whitney. That's And, that's, that's, and we love you just the same. Uh, this is our letters podcast. It's very, very simple. We do a lot of podcasts. We, uh, y- You listen to some of our podcasts, I guess. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, uh, anything you want to add, anything you want us to talk about, you can always email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Also, we have a P.O. box for people who like to send us physical Letters, Whitney. Yeah, what actual, is our PO yeah, box? Actual, actual paper mail. We love getting actual paper mail. Uh, you can send it to the critically acclaimed network, PO Box six four one five six five, Los Angeles, California nine double zero six four. And wouldn't you know it? I, I'm going to crinkle it so you can hear yes. that we got one. We actually got a letter this week. Always satisfying to hear that crinkle. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm going to start with this one. Let's do it. Yeah. We if if you mail us a letter, you know that we'll probably read that one. Oh, we almost definitely will. Yeah, so, but yeah, I have to. Give you sort of that tactile experience. Mm. I hope it's a chain letter. Uh, That'd be funny. It's not a chain letter. Okay. This one comes from uh, Paul. Hi, Paul. Uh, and it is says, uh, and it's it's written in longhand too. Ooh, so fancy. That's, that's very fancy. Yeah. Uh, and Keep it, that alive, please. And here we go. Uh, it reads, uh, "My two favorite movie critics." Uh, oh. Uh, us, I, I assume. I, okay. You know what? Uh, Maybe. I'm so glad you're putting out the best psychotronic movies as an option. Oh, that's uh, psychotronic. That's on our uh, podcast, The Iron List. Yes, we had an option. Uh, we, we You can vote every month for the topic of The Iron List. And the best psychotronic movies was one of the options, although it ended up not winning, sadly. Yeah. But uh, he says, The Psychotronic Encyclopedia of Film and the Psychotronic Video Guide have been my Bibles for decades. Yeah, uh, Mike Weldon uh, was a, a film critic and just a fan of, like, really schlocky movies and put together these big books in the 1990s, uh, which were just listed, mm-hmm. on this Psychotronic Encyclopedia of Film and the Psychotronic Video Guide. And these two books uh, were excellent guideposts for anybody looking to delve into... Uh, really deeply into the world of schlock. Yeah, there didn't used to be all these online compendiums of that sort of thing. So yeah. in order to find anything... Hell, the Psychotronic Film Guide was a way to prove a movie even existed. It was like, <laughs> oh, I was, it was at 2 a.m. and I was exhausted and I was stoned. And I saw something to, on TV. I saw, I was, I saw I some kind of movie was. about a killer tree with a knife in it. I don't know. What, and then you read the Psychotronic Film Guide. It's like, oh, the, from hell it came. That's what it was. Then no. you go down to your video store and they don't have it. Yeah. So you have to go to like Mondo Video Agogo, which is like this really seedy video store that used to be up on Vermont. Sounds awesome. Uh, I I accidentally bought a $50 porn film oh. from Psych- from Mondo Video Gogo. Well, it must have been good. Uh, it was called, worth that much. It was called Rise of the Roman Empress. It starred oh, wow. Cinciolina, Cinciolina and John Holmes. Cinciolina, a famous Italian uh, adult actress who was eventually elected to the Italian parliament. Yes. Uh, so, well, varied career, mm-hmm. Cinciolina. And uh, my girlfriend at the time left it in the sun. She put it in the car. Oh, 
and the uh, plastic shell around the cassette warped. So I had to call up and say, hey, uh, how can I replace this? And said, well, it can't be replaced. That was a really rare video. So 50 bucks. And this is like the late 90s. So that was a lot. Yeah. So I paid it. That's all I could do. But then uh, we discovered that we could salvage the the magnetic tape inside. Yeah, by putting it inside another putting it in, in another yeah. shell and we made a copy of the label and taped it on. I was like, well, I'll take this back and get my 50 bucks back. I said, no. <laughs> After all that trouble, just keep it. You, you, so, it's really so not going to rent that To this day, times. I have a 1987 adult Italian feature starring Ticciolina transposed into a new cassette. Anyway. Uh, those, uh, who, those who, are, who are you planning to bequeath that to when you die? Uh, well, well I, I have a son. He'll be old <laughs> enough some, someday. To own his own VCR. Right, only when you open, only when you're 21. Like, oh my God, what could it be? Oh, it's. Right. A, I don't even know how to play this. Well, I'll continue. <laughs> feel like an episode of Cowboy Bebop where they had to find a VHS player in the future, <laughs> and it was really hard. Anyway, uh, I'll get the letter, letter continues. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, last year, I started upon an epic quest to see every film in the Psychotronic uh, Encyclopedia of Film, The wow. Old Testament. A lot of them have shown up on Tubi, YouTube, and thanks to your suggestions, I found The Colossus of New York and Concord, colon, Airport 79, nice. through our great public library. Mm. Uh, go to your library, kids. Library card's a superpower. Uh, after almost a year, I've made it to the letter C. Mm. Along the way, some surprise standouts have been the original Airport. It was mm-hmm. a big... D- disaster movies were huge business in the 1970s. Yeah. We don't talk about that like, genre a, anymore. A few people remember, like, Beside an Adventure is a name that people still recall, mm-hmm. Towering Inferno, maybe. But the one of the ones that kickstarted it all was an air, was a disaster movie set at an airport called Airport. And um, it was a huge blockbuster. It was nominated for Academy Awards. It had a bunch of sequels. Mm-hmm. Gone. Nobody cares yeah, anymore. No, nobody watches it's, the airport. Does movies. I don't care how popular. Like, whenever people say like, hey, "This franchise is so popular, it can never be over," give it a couple of decades. A lot of people it's, will forget about. See, it. Yeah, see where we are. Yeah. No, we still talk about everything. What about the ones you're not talking about? The ones yeah. you don't know about. Uh, anyway, um, let's see. The original airport, the Blue Bird, I don't know a Wizard one. of Oz ripoff oh. with Over the Hill at Twelve, <laughs> Over the Hill at Twelve, Shirley Temple. Wow, Twelve-year-old Shirley Temple. That, yeah, uh, I get it. I hear bird, you. Yeah. yeah, that's just like I didn't know she uh, did a Wizard of Oz knockoff. That's yeah, weird. the Bluebird. I don't know the Bluebird. Yeah, uh, the Bedford incident hmm. taught serious Cold War drama. Okay. Uh, two in the Mexican horror Miller milieu milieu. Excuse me, which are absolute standouts. The Brainiac, which mm-hmm. was said to be Frank Zappa's favorite monster movie. Cool. And Neutron versus the Death Robots. Oh, that's a great name. If I were to start a band, I'd call it Yeah, I was about to say, that's that's like the Aquabats' fourth record. Um, And, like an elephant sitting still, there's Bell from Hell with Viveka Linfors. Viveka Linfors? I don't know Viveka Linfors. I'll look it up, make sure we get that right. Uh, The director killed himself immediately after the picture was completed, and it has this heavy, dark, ponderous atmosphere that really gets under your skin. Uh, yeah, uh, Bell from Hell, 1973. Uh, Vivica Lindfors. Vivica Lindfors, yeah. okay. Uh, I don't know how many years it's going to take to complete this mighty project. Yeah, if you're on the letter C after a couple gonna of years. It's going to be a while. It's a very thorough book. But you know what? Even even if you don't make it to the end, that is a, a, an admirable endeavor. The journey is more important than the destination. Yes. That's true for most things. Mm. Like, it's... it's, it's 
It's a thing I heard once in a movie. <laughs> I have not put uh, it to the test. Also, uh, Michael Weldon, author of these books, mm-hmm. uh, actually lives about an hour from me in Augusta, Georgia. And oh. I have spoken with him on several occasions. Oh, that's cool. I like to think you run into him at like the convenience store or something. Yeah. Uh, the word psychotronic is a registered trademark, so I'm sure he uh, would want you to be mindful of that. So uh, We're not going to take his we're trademark. Not, yeah, just, he took the word, we're, we understand, we all understand. Like, at, like, we're not like trying X-Men to is make... trademarked. If we reviewed all the X-Men movies, I think it's okay to put that yeah. in the title of a podcast. But uh, we're not going to do anything <laughs> with it. We're not, we're not going to make a psychotronic podcast. I'd no, be cool not, if we could, but we're not going to do it. We're that. not going to put the word on a t-shirt. You know, it's Michael yeah. Weldon's. Um, yeah. Cheers and thanks for all the great podcasts and recommendations. Paul, Kanozian, and the Backward Running Vomit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is a reference to an old Cancel Too Soon episode mm. where, uh, if you'll recall, back in the 90s and maybe the early 2000s, a lot of TV shows when they were done airing on network television they would end with like a brief recap of the new popular music you heard in the background that week mm. like tonight's episode of Dawson's Creek hey, featured featured music, music from yeah. soul coughing and, uh, and skibbity boop bop it's about bouncing souls and screaming trees and primitive radio gods yeah well we did uh, on our episode of cancel too soon freaky links which you can still find down our feed way down but it's in there yeah. uh we we ended our podcast with uh, i think we came up with like 50 we fake I, I, we, each band came, names. we each came up with 50 or we each came up with 100 we came up with a lot we, we fake did bad names. it was at least 25 maybe 50 apiece and then we went through all of them just back and forth all just these funny band names we mm. came up with some of which were in jokes some of which we named after longtime patrons yeah and then after a while after we ran out, we just looked at each other like, fuck it, let's keep we'll making some play, up until we, keep until we burst. Imp- improvising. Yeah. Uh, and that little uh, semi-comedic outburst of ours uh, led to the birth of two t-shirts, which are in the T-Public store. Yes. You can still get those shirts. Yeah, one, we'll of, which still is, make them. one of which is all the names of all the of all the bands. Oh, and, just uh, like printed on this big block. Yeah. And the other one is the band that broke us. Yeah. The band that ruined <laughs> the bit. Because I just couldn't think of anything. Mm. And I called the new band Sabist. Yeah, I don't. I think you were trying. Like your brain got in the way of your tongue, yeah. and you were trying to say like two words, kind of blended I had together. No idea what I was trying and to say. Sbist, so S B I S T. So uh, I designed a Sbist logo. I had a Sbist mug. I ordered uh, one for myself for a little while. That's cool. <laughs> but it broke. Ah, uh, that's that's so Sbist. Yeah. <laughs> that's very fitting for Sbist was so um, short lived. It only makes sense. I, I haven't uh, reordered a Sbist logo. Although you can get stickers. T Public will put that you know, whatever, whatever you draw but yeah i drew put it on, it put on a tattoo on your forehead if you pay him enough uh, yeah, yeah i'm sure <laughs> anyway. uh, but thank you for so much for writing in but, uh, paul. But move. Paul, oh, paul paul canosian uh yeah. he's one of our patrons he's been listen, listening for a long time we named a band after him yes we did uh it was it was paul canosian and the backward running vomit that was that, the name of his band I think that was one of yours I, i'm sure it was backwards running vomit sounds like a you <laughs> sounds like a you sentence the, the word vomit makes me giggle a mm. lot so yeah. you, know, you know what word really makes whitney giggle mm. Okay. Lunchables. Oh my god. <laughs> he thinks the word lunchables it, it, is look, funny. It, when we're talking about like food qualities, yes. lunchability <laughs> seems like an odd one to, to an odd gauge by which to measure food, but if, okay. If you're not familiar with what we're talking about, maybe if you're in another country or something, oh. there is like a, a pre made sort of snack it's, food it's uh, a, uh, 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 preparation where you buy a little box with like a plastic lid on it no, and it's, it's got like, like a pl- plastic tray with cordoned off foods there's yeah. uh, uh 
Uh, Usually space there's... for crackers, a ch- space for lunch meat, a space for cheese, yeah. maybe some raisins. There's all, like a cookie. Yeah. Uh, and you, you give this, you put this in your kid's lunchbox. And they it's like a it little mini and, uh... pre-made lunch. And mm. uh, they called it Lunchables. Lunchables. I think it's an yeah. Oscar Mayer product. Their lunchability uh... is quite high. <laughs> Dang, I'm so, so glad this is Lunchable. If it weren't, <laughs> I wouldn't eat it. All right, we uh, should move on. All right. What have you got for us in the in yeah. the emails over at uh, letters uh, at critically? Here, here's a letter from Schnock. Hello, Schnock. Hello. Um, hello, friends. Uh, while listening to one of the latest, uh, the last letters episode, one of your listeners requested recommendations for Indian movies. Oh yeah, uh, Indian movies are available on a few streaming services in the United States. Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu all have a quite a good collection. Mm-hmm. There are some other Indian-based, uh, India-based streaming services, which are now available in the USA, like Z5, which has movies and TV shows in multiple languages. Oh my God! Uh, Something's going on out uh, there. We've got some. Uh, I don't know if you can hear outside. that on the, on the microphone, but we got some uh, sirens outside. Might be a little uh, loud. I live in Southeast Michigan and have seen uh, Indian movie DVDs at the local libraries. Hmm. Uh, Whitney mentioned most Indian films have romance, drama, action, comedy blended into a single movie. We do have a name for that genre: masala movies. Huh. I personally have watched more Hindi movies, so my list consists of Hindi blockbusters, which I have enjoyed watching. So here's a, a list of recommendations. Great, and thank you. And once yeah. again, this is a request for us. This is not our field of expertise, so I'm very grateful that someone wrote in. Thank you. Um, Amar Akbar Anthony, 1977. Mm. Uh, three brothers get separated as infants and raised by families of different religions. Mm. The story involves how their paths cross and how they are reunited. A perfect masala movie with a strong element of religious tolerance. Sounds good. Sholay. Uh, S-H-O-L-A-Y, 1975. Two goons get hired by an ex-cop to stop a gang of robbers plundering a small village. Sound familiar? Heavily influenced by Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven, Sholay is considered one of the best movies made in India. The mm. lines from the movie have been have seeped into normal conversations, have been influenced endless movies and parodies in India. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that a, sounds like one I need to see. That sounds like a good place and, to start, honestly. Yeah. Like one of those like sort of, uh, what, do, what do you call them, like um, prime movies? Like where, like, oh, uh, you, you, if you remove it, history changes. Yeah, like you, there's there's certain not not there's not a lot, but if in the grand scheme of things, but like there's certain movies where like if you plucked Citizen Kane out of the movie timeline, mm-hmm. there'd be a weird Citizen Kane sized hole there yeah. where a whole bunch of movies are referencing well, it yes. and playing off of it, and there'd be nothing for them to reference. So, right. but you couldn't say that for something like I don't know American Assassin. <laughs> like no one's no Which one's gonna one? if you pluck that out of the timeline no one's gonna yeah, care yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the third recommendation Swades S-W-A-D-E-D 2004 a NASA scientist visits the vill- a village in India his adoptive mother lives and is soon conflicted between working at NASA or helping in the village rural India getting basic necessities uh, Muna by MBBS 2003 a comedy movie about a gangster who enrolls in med school to make his father happy influenced by Patch Adams a feel good movie about oh. I've heard of this one Munabai okay. M-U-N-N-A-B-H-A Munabai uh, from 2003 I, I remember when that one came out alright cool um, Lahirago Munabai mm. a gangster that starts reading about Gandhi starts hallucinating <laughs> and having conversations with Gandhi and huh. starts following Gandhi's teachings huh curious that's interesting that sounds uh, neat uh, number six, Three Idiots. I've seen Three Idiots. I've heard of Three yeah. Idiots. Yeah, uh, two one. friends go on a road trip and find their long-lost college friend. Story bounces between present day and their college days. Um, the Dabang Trilogy from 2010 to 2019. Mm. Action comedy movies which revolve around a cop who breaks the rules because he has to. <laughs> uh, yeah. Number eight, Hindi Medium. 
2017. Okay. A comedy movie following a rich couple who is trying to scam the system to get their daughter enrolled in a prestigious school while pretending to be poor. Oh, that sounds kind of fun. Ooh, okay. Um, Diwali Duhania de Jayenge, 1995. Most iconic rom-com made in India about two people who meet on vacation through Europe and the guy follows the girl's family to India to stop her wedding. The movie has been running at a theater in Mumbai since it came out in 1995. Wow. That's, they, they just don't do that anymore. I mean, apart from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, we no. don't really have that in the United States. Not no. with too many movies. I mean, I was just, I was I just, that, uh, I, I was already Top Gun, like Top Gun Maverick, has been such a juggernaut. Yeah, that's probably still playing. Still theaters. playing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that used to be more common for movies to stick around for like mm-hmm. months at a time. Mm-hmm. It's a lot less common now. Way less common now. No, I was just, uh, I was just writing an article about. Um, once Upon a Time in the West, and I, it was a movie from 1968, and it started Henry Fonda, and I was watching an interview with Henry Fonda in like the early 70s, and he was talking about it, and he's like, yeah, it's still playing in one theater in France. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy crap. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and uh, finally, number 10, Don, just the name, Don. Okay. Uh, 1978, or the 2006 remake, huh. a gangster is killed by a cop and replaced by his doppelganger to infiltrate the criminal world. Oh, so it's like Kagamusha. But, uh, but uh, you know, organized crime. Well, I mean, there's plenty of doppelganger infiltrating kind of movies. Yeah, uh, I know it is a small list, but I hope it has gateway to the vast selection of movies India has to offer, says Shunak. Uh, thank, thank you, you so that much. That's really, yeah, um, those sound like really cool movies. So thank you. And I hope uh, people check that out. Yeah. Uh, what we asked for. We, we Often we don't have sort of like the yeah. the wherewithal or the know-how to really uh, recommend something. So we yeah, we put it out yeah. to you, so thank you for coming back. Yeah, like we, we try to be as learned as we possibly can, but it's a big, wide world of cinema, and mm. there's stuff we don't know. So yeah. thank you for participating and for helping people who are looking for these films uh, on their journey when we, can, when we can't be of assistance, or even mm. when we can. It's always, it's always a pleasure to hear your recommendations, yeah. too. Uh, what do we got next? Here's a letter from RJ. Hi, RJ. Uh, RJ. Uh, dear Bibbs and Whitney, with all this talk about the upcoming Sight and Sound poll, yeah, we've been okay. talking about it a lot because it's coming. It's coming soon. We're so excited. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Letterboxd Top 250 Narrative Feature Films of All Time. Oh, my God. I'm sure I don't need to explain Letterboxd to you. I'm not on it, but I know what I, it is. I started uh, an account, and I just couldn't right. keep up doing it, but that's fine. I, I have no disrespect to the platform. I actually really like it. I just don't have the commitment uh, I, yeah, to I don't, it. I don't have the time, time or energy to like yeah. the upkeep on that. Uh, if you want to hear what I think about a movie, we have a podcast. I'm talking what, about it all the time. We do these uh, podcasts. Uh, but in case you're unaware of, list, it's a, unaware of the list, it's a list of films with more than 5,000 viewings ranked by the highest average rating from the users. Okay. This is only for narrative feature films. Documentaries and shorts are covered in other lists. Uh, and he, he has a link here so we can look at the, the top uh, two. I'm going to see if I can find it here. Letterboxd Top 250. Here we go. The official... Uh, hmm. I don't know how which one's the most recent... Uh, oh gosh, the, this is like actually a pretty diverse list. That's cool. It's not all. Uh, it's not the ones you might expect. Okay, like, well, you go, let's you go into a, you go into IMDb and it's like uh, you know, number oh, one's like the dark, the dark Knight, Shawshank Redemption, yeah, Godfather. Like, you know, the, the, mostly pretty obvious the, stuff. Yeah. The the kinds that like college kids in the nineties in the nineties would have posters yeah. of on their walls. Okay, so why don't you why don't you do me a favor? We'll try to make this quick. We're not going to do the whole top two fifty. Obviously, why don't you run down the top twenty? Relatively quickly. Top 20, okay. For the um, Letterboxd Top 250. Uh, number one, Come and See. 
That's the number one <laughs> that's movie the number in Letterboxd. One movie. That has the I was going to ask you to go down to 22 number one, but okay, oh, that's well, fine. Sorry. Well, number yeah. one. Uh, number two is Parasite. Number right, three okay. is Harakiri. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Number two, number four is something called Auto Decida? I don't, I don't Auto, know that one. Auto Decida. I don't know that movie. Uh, number five is The Godfather. Number six is The Godfather Part Two. Number seven is The Human Condition Part Three. Oh, oh! Uh, uh, Auto Cita is a Portuguese film called A Dog's Will. Interesting. I don't think I know that. Movie. Oh no, it's not. It's not a Portuguese. Sorry, it's Brazilian, but it's in Portuguese. In Portuguese, okay. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Right. Uh, number eight is Twelve Angry Men. Number nine yeah. is Seven Samurai. Number okay. ten is The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, number eleven, Spirited Away. Okay. Um, number twelve is High and Low. Wow, nice. Yeah, so we got some. Uh, yeah, that's very respectable. Two Kurosawa movies here. Uh, Thirteen is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, number 14 is The Dark Knight. Yeah. Number 15 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, it's a uh, good movie. Number 16 is Central Station. Okay. That's surprisingly high. That's awesome. Number 17, A Brighter Summer Day. I don't know that Interesting choice. One. A Brighter uh, Summer Day. Which one's that? It's, um, oh, uh, b- b- it's... A, I'm looking it up. It, it's a Taiwanese film. Yeah, it's by the same guy who did Yi Yi. Um, oh, Ed, yeah, yeah. Uh, Edward Yang. Oh, wow. Um, cool. Wow. Uh, speaking of which, number 18 is Yee Yee, a one ah, or two by okay. Edward Yang. Uh, number 19, Goodfellas. Okay. Uh, number 20, City of God. Uh, okay, a lot of Brazilian films on that list. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. And I find it curious that uh, the third part of The Human Condition is in there at number uh. seven, and the first part is number 22, uh-huh. and I'm not seeing the second part anymore. Well, no one likes the second part. It was... You know, they they had to make that contract. The were, it's it's con- like when the Peter Jackson made three Hobbit movies. Yeah, and, and the yeah. Human Condition Part 2 is number 45. Okay. So, yeah, it's, I guess that one's just all over the place. Interesting. That's a, that, that's an interesting crop of films. It is I an interesting admit, crop yeah. of films. And, I know, love but, that. But there's, yeah, kind of some international Yeah, that's in pretty there. respectable, too. That's really, really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to the letter. It yeah. says, uh, I find the results of this list fascinating. We talk about how most polls tend to lean towards popular films when they're voted for by regular moviegoers. Mm-hmm. And the... And the difference it makes when these lists are ranked by professional critics and filmmakers. But I find the variety included in this list fascinating when you consider that A, the vast majority of letterboxed users are not industry professionals or film critics, and B, this is not a, a conscious vote. Yeah. Nobody submitted these films to be considered among the best of all time. This yeah. is just how the ratings played out. I already linked the list, but here are uh, here are the top ten for discussions. Parasite, Come and See, Harakiri, Dog's Will, Godfather, uh, yeah. Godfather 2, Human Condition Part 3, 12 Angry Men, 7 Samurai, Shawshank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, What an interesting top ten that is. Uh, more foreign language films than English language films. Yep. Uh, still with some obvious choices, but then, but then things like A Dog's Will, which I've never even heard of. That makes up for a lot of the 250. Uh international films that i've never heard of because uh the uk and the u.s are not the are not the only countries in the world funnily enough and certainly not the only ones using letterboxd that's i think a big deal yeah i think the fact that letterboxd is actually being used by an international yeah and i think as a result you know because the movies that we know and we grow up with in Hmm. whatever country you're from tend to be i mean i'm sure you're familiar with international cinema but there are movies that were made in your home country that get a little bit more traction, get a little bit more uh, play on television and movies, and, well, and, and you're just more used to them, and they become part of your sort of your, your framework. It, it's especially and so, bad. Yeah, it's cool to see yeah. other, what other people have in that yeah, regard. It, yeah. It's especially bad in the United States, though, because our, yeah. our movie industry is so big in this country. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
American films tend to muscle out everything else. Yep. International features are considered like they go to the art houses and indie houses. It doesn't matter if they're huge, yeah. big, like blockbuster quality movies. Yeah. They're like considered the... like art house fair here in the yeah. United States just because they're not yeah. American productions. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, but that's cool. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Oh, uh, there's more? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I lost my space. It's okay. Place in the letter. Um, I, you yeah, can find it. I believe modern it. hits. Uh, you you have an undeniable mix of bona fide classics, modern hits, blockbusters, more obscure international cinema. It's kind of a gold mine, and none of it. Mm. None of this happens voluntarily. It's formed according to average user ratings, which uh, leads to some recency bias. Parasite being number one for sure. Mm. But from this year alone, everything, everywhere, all at once sits just outside the number ten. With other films like Marcel the Shell of Shoes on, Tar, The Banshees of Inisherin, and Triple R appearing further down the list as well. Yeah. Even then, there's really nothing to scoff at. What's also interesting is that because it's based on user ratings, the list can fluctuate and change based on how many people are watching and rating something. Uh, between the time you wrote this letter, RJ, and bet- and when I looked at that list, yeah. Come and See had risen to number one already. Yeah, these things happen, yeah. So films like The Matrix, Toy Story, and Rashomon have moved on and off the list a few times in favor of other films, well-known or not. So there's a d- definitive list in place. It just changes from week to week, even in small ways. My question is, what do you think of this? Well, would you say that this is perhaps a more ideal type of best of list? One that isn't constructed with intent, but simply happens as it happens, and perhaps better reflects the general tastes of movie lovers more often than other polls do. Thank you for reading. Hope hope you're both well, RJ. Well, uh, obviously we've already answered the question. We think it's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. It is interesting that this is uh, not because of people submitted their top tens. This is just the movies that they like. And considering that Letterboxd is based on the idea of film as a community of people sharing their opinions and constantly rating movies, as opposed to only heading over to Rotten Tomatoes to affect their score whenever you feel like it, um, suggests that the people who are voting for those movies or rating those movies are very passionate about what they're doing, uh, whether they consider themselves critics or not. That part is great. Is it more ideal? I don't really think that's the question. It's an interesting question. But I don't think that's the question. I think uh, the reason we have so many different people giving their opinions on movies is because there is no one ideal list of great films. And every single list of great films, provided it comes to people who care about Mm. cinema, Mm. uh, is... Has validity, yeah. you know, and so you might decide to yourself that some lists have more validity than others based on who they're from. That's your prerogative, but to see like a what is this very large group of film lovers from all walks of life, from all over the world? What are they into? Of course, that has value. Mm. On the other hand, someone who is just incredibly learned in in film and has one particular take and actually does have a formed perspective, whether it's singular or just sort of in a general way, that list is going to have validity too. Mm. So I don't know if it's more ideal, but I think it is at least equally interesting. And I think that's great. Yeah. Um, Something about a lot of these like online lists uh, is you have to take them all with a grain of salt. Um, I've, I've seen it touted on the social medias before uh, that uh, when you're uh, using rotten tomatoes, yeah. Can of worms, rotten tomatoes, but Mm. uh I've heard people say, don't look at what the critics say. Don't look at the critics' score. Uh-huh. Look at the audience score. Uh-huh. And that's the the real gauge. So, you know, because sometimes the... Because the audience is real, man. Uh, yeah, it's like they're, they're giving their honest opinion. They're not professionals. And uh, the audience score 
the, the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes is made up by critics, critics who write for professionally for uh, outlets that are approved mm-hmm. by the website, yeah. which, uh, by the way, in recent years has expanded greatly. It yeah, used, it used much to be, better than it used, used to be. used to be a pretty tiny group of, of publications now. It's much, much yeah. wider. And it used to be almost almost exclusively white men. Well, it yeah. used to be just the the like a, a very small group of professionals, and yeah. those were all the white, like the old school white guys who were yeah, still exactly. writing for these yeah, papers. It was, but it's, it's gotten um, a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, much more diverse. But th- those those critic scores are made up of professional opinions, and yeah. uh, it's actually up to uh, the critic or the outlet mm-hmm. to post that review and give it positive or negative, like yeah. a, a fresh or a splat, and then the site aggregates it. Uh, a twenty percent approval rating doesn't mean that every critic gave it a twenty percent. No, it just means twenty percent of the critics who reviewed I, it liked it, li- liked it enough to call it, you know, to say it was worth say, seeing. Yeah, it's yeah. worth seeing. Uh, the audience scores are made up by, and uh huh, anybody, yeah, uh, any anybody maybe anybody uh, for any reason, any, yeah, maybe you know? they've not even seen the movie, yeah. The audience there's no, score there's no, is there's, yeah, exa- that's the thing that's that's troubling is that there's no guarantee they've even seen the film, uh, you know? and and also the people who go on uh, the score of, of the audience score that you find on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. is made up of people who bother to leave audience score ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Uh, Those are people who have a particular reason to want to do that. Yeah. Now, and that doesn't mean they're all suspect. Obviously not, but... No, but there there's, there's a lot been, of reasons to be suspicious. Well, there, there have been definitely been, been times when there was a hit movie or a not-hit movie that definitely had an audience score that is suspiciously high or low. Mm. And you just have to ask yourself... Is that a naturally occurring phenomenon? Because it seems a little there's, weird. There's a lot of ballot box stuffing going yeah. on. There's a lot of people who are, for some reason, have a vendetta against a particular film or mm. want want a particular film to look like it's better than it is. So, yeah, yeah they, they create fake accounts and they yeah. encourage all their friends to give it up votes whether or not they've seen it. And yeah. it's not it, it, the trustworthy. Point is, the point isn't that the audience score is inherently suspect. I'm sure a lot of the times it's totally legit. But... Uh, it's not necessarily any guarantee of legitimacy. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and and that that could be said for anyone. I mean, there are perf- there are many critics out there who are Rotten Tomatoes approved, who I think have not very good taste in film. Oh well, you know, and, and that's and that I'm sure a lot of people can like, say that about me. If yeah. if if they're articulate and they're yeah. saying it in an intelligent way, it doesn't matter if I agree with their taste in film. And that's perfectly fair. My point is, but my again, we're just looking at the binary. It's yeah. it approve is it yay or nay? That's mm-hmm. what all Rotten Tomatoes cares about, and I don't think that's a great system. But um, in any case, the point is, there's a whole lot of different valid takes on cinema, mm-hmm. um, and, and that but, that, but that is think- good. I feel like even while looking at something like Rotten Tomatoes, which is user driven, there's no yeah. like there are no professionals on there, or maybe there are, but you know they're not yeah. using it to tout their professional uh, mm. standing. Wait, you talking about Letterbox or Letterbox? You does. said Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, sorry, I meant no, Letterbox. I was a little confused. Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes second. is critic based. Letterbox yeah. is not. That's all amateurs. Yes. Okay. And uh, well, I know critics who have a Letterbox, but it's the vast majority. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's just letterboxed users. That's not all filmgoers, and that's not. not going to be a, a, a full sampling of what the popular opinion is. Everything yeah. is going to be a slightly different angle. Yeah. So when it comes, that's to, why we like, need as many angles as possible. When it comes to like what is like the true list, take your pick. I mean, there's yeah. there's going to be various ways to gauge this sort of thing. Look, and there's there's never going to be a true list, and your list mm-hmm. is going to differ from whatever it is. The, I, I I doubt that you'll you'll find any list that is one. 100% the same as yours. And listen, there's a reason we're excited about the Sight and Sound poll coming up because 
a lot of really talented people, filmmakers, film mm. critics all over the world are contributing their idea of what the greatest films of all time is. And it's really exciting to see that list sort of evolve over time. Uh, but we're going to do a whole podcast because we assume we're not going to agree with it 100%. Mm. And we're going to present our own picks because we would have had our own picks if we'd been invited. And we think that's interesting, too. That's part of the fun of it. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, it's interesting. I actually wasn't aware that the Letterbox. I knew there, they had one. I wasn't aware that it was so unlike so, so, the IMDb so list, for example. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. Look, like look up that. the IMDb list really quick. Oh, I'm going to go to another le- uh, oh, letter. No, I, later, it it yeah. won't take more than a second. Uh, yeah. Top 250 movies. Boom. Here we go. All right. All right uh, number 10 on the top 250 movies of all time. This is IMDb. This is IMDb. Yeah. This is all like, user ratings. Yeah. S- super mainstream here. All right. Number 10. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. All okay. right. Number 9. The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. All right. All right. Number 8. Pulp Fiction. Okay. Number 7. The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. <laughs> Okay. Number six, Schindler's List. All right. Curious. All Number right. five, Twelve Angry Men. It always does well. It's a good it movie. Does well. Never, not complaining. I love Twelve Angry Men. Uh, let's see. Uh, number four, The Godfather Part Two. Okay. Number three, The Dark Knight. Okay. Number two, The Godfather. Okay. And number one, The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> it has the exact same rating as The Godfather Part One. Those are um. They're very bro movies. There's a uh, very like, bro-y Schmid- film for the most Schindler's List notwithstanding. Schindler's List is, is the outlier there. Yeah. Let, let me see if I can find... What's the case? We got number 11, Forrest Gump. Fight Club is number 12. Yeah. Uh, Again, Lord of the Rings I, and Two I, Towers. Inception. The Empire Strikes Back. Goodfellas. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, number 18. All right. 19, uh, 7. Okay. Number 20, 7, Samurai. Uh, <laughs> and number 21, It's a Wonderful Life. That's probably where we got start getting okay. a little less macho. Yeah, um, yeah. even One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is very much a, 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 a man movie. Yeah, movie I, about I, male yeah, ego so. and, yeah. and pride and stuff, yeah. Although, I, as yeah. I get older, Nurse Ratchet is like the sympathetic main character. And, yeah! Uh, and Murphy, Murphy's the asshole. Yeah, it's one of those movies that evolves over time. Yeah. Ebert wrote about that a lot. Mm. Anyway, we should move on. But right. uh, um, thank you so much for that great letter. Uh, here's a letter from Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney, I hope this letter finds you not just well, but fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Well, I have a bit of an ache in my shoulder, but other than that, yes. I strained my arm lifting. Oh. Trying to do fancy workouts, and I hurt myself. You're making that up. I, I'm not. I you're actually re- I you're lifting. I, I have trouble lifting my right arm right now. Oh, my God. Well, I believe that. Sore. I just didn't believe you got it. I didn't believe you got it through exercise. I, I exercise every day, thank okay. you. Um, hearing your discussion on kung fu movies in the most recent We've Got Mail sent, sent my ADHD brain exploring, and it came up with a question that you might find fun. Hmm. Uh, backstory. I grew up low class and now work as a pastor and am married to a public school teacher. Wow. So occasionally I spend my free time imagining what I would do if I actually had money to spend. Yeah. And frankly, I would like, I would, I would want to be an eccentric, excellent eccentric billionaire. Wouldn't we all? I would love to be an eccentric billionaire. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like fun, good eccentric, not like Elon Musk eccentric. If I was an eccentric billionaire, I wouldn't be an eccentric billionaire very long because I give a lot of that away. Yeah. 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 But anyway. I'd be actually uh, a millionaire pretty quick. There, <laughs> I'd be happy with being a millionaire. Uh, premise. Let's say I was an eccentric billionaire, mm. and being a fan of your work, I decided to offer you both a chance to have an international cinema adventure. Basically, I'd sponsor each of you to travel to three countries to learn about mm. their film culture. Oh. culture. You get to spend a month in each country. When you arrive, you will be greeted by a couple of local film critics who will be your guide during your stay. As much as you'd like... Mm. Uh, 
they can help you navigate life in that country, converse with you about their film history, mm. and help curate your experience of their country's films. You'll have access to a film library, and you can also traverse the country to go to theaters, visit sites, schools, museums, libraries, etc. that will enrich your learning. Wow. This is a dream scenario, so all expenses are paid. You will not wow. have to resort to saying uh, Shaggy and Scooby as your international credit card. <laughs> Shaggy and Scooby. Shaggy and Scooby, that's an Eddie Izzard bit. And, uh, of course, uh, members of your family, your partners as well as your cats are more than welcome to travel with you. Oh, my goodness. Also, if you're like me, you would be worried about your guides having a good time. Don't be. Remember, I am unfathomably wealthy, and I'm done. S- and, and when I'm done swimming in my muddy bin, I will scout out local critics and historians who would earnestly be interested in showing you around, sharing their culture, and talking about movies. Also, I'll make sure this is a sweet gig for them. In addition to salary, they will be getting a lot of salt cat soaps. <laughs> I'll clean out their movie wish list, and uh, should they desire, send them on their own adventure. I love that the, the imaginary helpers in this scenario are also very well taken Good. care of. Good, they should be. Yeah. Why dream small? Like, let's no. let's take care of everybody. Unless, of course, you'd prefer a belligerent person as your god as part of the experience. <laughs> you know, like if you're going to France. Just kidding, France. <laughs> Tell me about your cinema. Ah, it is all shit. <laughs> I, I found an interview recently with um, hmm. uh, uh, Aki Karasmaki, the Finnish filmmaker. Oh, yeah, great filmmaker. And, and he's, like, such a bitter asshole. Yeah, like, he's wonderful. Like, <laughs> how do you think people are going to respond to your films? People don't care about my films. People are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. He's, like, smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, there are basically no limits. You can pick any country you want, mm-hmm. places you have some experience already or places you know a uh, little mm-hmm. about or haven't had access to, but you can only pick three. <sighs> Question finally, which three countries would each of you pick and why? I bought a lottery ticket at the grocery store today, so fingers <laughs> crossed. Thank you for all the wonderful podcasts, Kevin. Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, and that's a fun that's a fun idea. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly does sound like a fantasy, doesn't it? So where uh, can I go? Can go to only three countries. I am going to limit myself. There are certain places throughout the world that are in various elements of turmoil that I might uh, want to avoid right now. Uh, well, okay, but this is our fantasy. I realize so let's, that. Let's, let's say, like... It's it's in turmoil, uh-huh. but this is a chance for you to like absorb the culture, figure out what it's like. All right, fair enough. Um, all right, well let's let's just fuck it. Everything's on the table. Uh, first off, it's it's already been made a joke, but France. Okay. Um, incredibly rich cinema history, but also a great history of film criticism, and I would love to track down as many cahiers du cinéma mm-hmm. uh, critics, especially from you know the old uh, the earlier years, whoever is still around. I would love to interview them. Yeah. And uh, talk not just about cinema history and the history of the French New Wave and all the other yeah, yeah. French history, but also the history of French criticism. I think that'd be really exciting. Um, I mean, I'd want to say India. Yeah, Just, just because there, there's there's a lot to cover. Yeah. And I feel like I'm just woefully undereducated when it comes to Indian cinema. Yep. Uh, uh, hmm. I would uh, I would definitely because of my love of uh, kung fu cinema I'd want to go to Hong Kong. Okay. Uh and really delve into the libraries of Shaw Brothers and Golden Harvest in particular, mm-hmm. but uh that would be super exciting. I would love every second of that. Um and then I'm like I'm I'm a big fan of like the cinema of Japan. Yeah. And I would love just sort of an intense month getting into a lot of the cinema yeah, of Japan, but I, I I also know a lot of Japanese cinema i know a lot of japanese filmmakers mm-hmm. not that i'm an expert i couldn't write a book on the subject right but you but, maybe uh, want to do something where you'd be I'm, a little I'm, bit more thrown into the deep end yeah like i'm i'm yeah relative relative like oh okay versed in yeah. japanese cinema 
Yeah. Uh, I definitely, mm. you know what? I definitely want to go to Sweden. Uh, yeah, I, I suspected I, you would. <laughs> that seemed likely. First of all, I, I, I would love to go to Bergman Island. Um, mm. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, Faroe Island, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Faroe Island uh, was mm. sort of Bergman's writer's retreat. And you can go there mm. and sort of have Bergman tours. You can tour sort of like the houses he lived in and the cinemas that he did. And you can rent uh, theater space and watch Bergman movies. There's actually mm. a film that came out just last year called Bergman Island about a couple that goes there to do that very thing. Mm. Uh, and they think, oh, it's going to be like, nice and warm and fun. Let, let, let's sit around and watch a bunch of Bergman movies. Probably is Bergman movies are like depressing as fuck. Yeah. And like, what do we want to watch? I don't know. I can watch the... Some the, depressing. The one about everybody I mean, who's in complete despair or the other one where everybody's in complete despair. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'd want to go to Sweden and sort of expand beyond just Ingmar Bergman. I mean, yeah. Bergman's like pretty good place to start, but yeah, yeah there's a, a heck of a lot more cinema from the country. I think I'd want to, I've always admired uh, a lot of the, well, a lot of the cinema that I've seen. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. admire, I don't admire every single movie from any single place unilaterally, but, um, I think there's a really exciting wealth of material coming out of South Korea okay. and I would be very curious to... Really just take a deep dive over mm-hmm. there and uh, take a look at the films that don't make it over here as well, which I'm sure there are many. Yeah. Um, and I would love to have like a, a people actually properly guide me through some of that because some of the reasons why movies from other countries don't make it over to America is because they're deemed uh, a little impenetrable mm-hmm. because of, it could be simple things. Like a lot of the works of like uh, Stephen Chow, for example, okay. uh, who was a big breakout star over here with films like Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle. But a lot of his earlier films didn't make it over here or weren't very popular over here because a lot of them dealt with wordplay. Mm. In a way that doesn't necessarily translate to subtitles or yeah. dubbing. So th- we couldn't get the gist, but we're not appreciating the nuance. Yeah. So I would love to appreciate more of the nuance. Uh, so yeah, I would love to maybe... Uh, that would be a cool idea, just to go really yeah. just deep into the realm of the South Korean cinema history. That'd yeah, be South cool. South Korea would be a good one. Yeah. Um, well, that's my three. I got Hong Kong, South Korea, yeah. and, uh, and France. And if I had a backup, I'd, I'd pick Italy just yeah, because. In, but yeah. in India, Sweden, and you know what? I'm going to choose Nigeria. Ooh, good uh, pick. Yeah, great, uh, great films coming out. The, the Nigerian there. film industry, like it's it's only really kind of exploded in earnest in like maybe the last 20 years. Sure, but, but still, and there's like maybe 200 theaters in the whole country. Yeah, but it does have a, a pretty long cinematic tradition, and I'd like to know a lot more about the history of Nigeria. I'd like to know about sort of the a little bit more about the culture, a little bit more yeah. cultural context about Nigeria. Uh, I could, I mean, there's like 40 countries I could list on this. Uh, well, I'm sure, so, I'm sure, and more probably. So just off really the top of my it. head, I choose those three. But you know, yeah, I mean, I'd love to. Give, I'd love to a little bit more thought. You know, I'd love. I'd love so to much more. I'd love I, to go into. I love the Polish cinema that I've seen. I was going to uh, say Romania is a possibility. Romania is a cool um, one as well. Yeah, like uh, hell, Mexican cinema. I would love to. just oh, yeah, uh, yeah, just yeah, for sure. Be able to really sink in because mm. that's a pretty major gap, honestly, for me. There's yeah, a lot of. And if we're going like back to the start, like back to the early days of cinema definitely russia uh, oh sure um, yeah just sort of get R- russian cinema and soviet cinema all of that would yeah. be really wonderful yeah totally ah what a, what a fantasy <laughs> that's a good fantasy i like that yeah. that sounds really fun but yeah I, I guess my top choices would be uh, uh norway india and nigeria yeah, yeah. Uh, france hong kong and south korea with italy as a backup all right uh so yeah definitely awesome 
Oh, thank you so much uh, for that. What, yeah. uh, what a nice thing to think about. I'll be thinking about that for a while. Uh, let's move on. What well, do you I, got? I feel like we, if we had the time, we could kind of sort of do homework on our own. Sure. Pro- I but, mean, probably is, you know, we're but part of the fantasy jobs, here. But, yeah. Part of the fantasy here is we get to uh, hobnob with uh, critics and historians from those particular cultures. Yeah. And instead of having to do like all of the work from scratch, it'd be like having like you know going on like a private college, you know, uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, when you like a study abroad program, like a study abroad program, right. yeah, exactly. That'd be really cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, here's a letter from Dr. Nova. We, we oh, have, hi! We have from Dr. Nova, Nova in a while. Yeah. For, uh, every once in a while. Uh, it says, Hi, Bibbs and Whitney. Every once in a while, you hit on a topic that I have a special interest in. And every time, I'm more than happy to contribute. I love time travel. Yes! Uh, we did a, a, an iron list about time travel mm-hmm. movies. And I've been watching movies, TV, and reading books on the subject for 20 years. So this is my time to shine. Woohoo! My list includes stories of time travel and time loops, like your list, uh, aside from number one, uh, this isn't in order. Okay. Uh, and, and Dr. Nova uh, sends in lists of every medium. Yeah. Not just film and television, yeah. but like p- plays and books and video games. And again, on the off chance anyone has missed a previous episode or something, we just published recently our latest episode of The Iron List, in which Whitney and I each gave our top ten time travel movies of all time. And I, someone called me out on social media... I forgot a big one. I will tell you at the end of this letter. Right. Uh, number 10, Your Name. Okay. Give me a story about teenagers falling in love in a pretty sky, please, and thank you. Uh, that, that's an anime film. I it's an anime film yeah. about uh, uh, a teenage boy and a teenage girl who, uh, on alternating days, wake up in each other's bodies, but they don't know each other. Oh, curious. And it turns out there's a time element as well, oh, although okay. how that ties in is a bit of a spoiler, so I won't go into any detail. Uh, number 9, Doctor yeah. Who. Uh, had, yeah. had to, it's so wibbly-wobbly and takes full advantage of it, the premise. Um, Love we, Doctor Who. We talked about it a lot in that yeah. episode. Uh, number eight, The Time Traveler's Wife, The Book. Ah! <laughs> don't like the movie, but the book is a great exploration of time travel as a disease and something that you don't want, which the movie ignores almost entirely to focus all on its efforts on the love story part, even if it isn't that good. Okay. Uh, number seven, <laughs> The Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, that counts. The question is is not is not whether or not A Christmas Carol would be on the list, but instead, which one? And yep. it's the one with the Muppets in it. Yeah. It is one of the better Christmas Carol just I think I think it's right up there. I really do think it's in the top. Mm-hmm. If it might even it might be my personal favorite, but I think just in terms of like proper adaptations, mm-hmm. it's at least in the top three or four. I mean, there's there so many to choose from. There, but then uh, a lot of them are good. Like mm-hmm. even Scrooge was like you'd think it's would like be the, really the dated, version, right? Yeah. You'd think that'd be really dated now. It holds up pretty good, actually. I, I wrote an essay on Scrooge once, and yeah. I wondered how you could update Ebenezer Scrooge again. Like yeah. who, who's like. Sort of like a, a miserly jerk, somebody who's just really grumpy, who's Jeffrey hoarding Bezos. a lot, hoarding a lot of cash. Jeffrey Bezos. And, well, yeah, Jeff Bezos. You think of like the modern tech billionaires. Yeah. Uh, but they're more or less the same as like the yuppies from the '80s, which is what yeah. the, the Bill Murray character was in Scrooge. Yeah. So we actually haven't really grown past that version of of the Christmas well, Carol. That in terms of like modern yeah. interpretations of what Scrooge would look like. Yeah, fair enough. So I feel like. We're still at a little bit of an impasse. Maybe there's a tech bro version of mm. A Christmas Carol waiting, like yeah. a, sort of a dark horror comedy thing. But yeah. maybe. All right. Uh, number six: The First Fifteen Lives of Harry August, a brilliant book huh. uh, where a society of people around the world live their lives in time loops, able able to change the future during the loop in which they are uh, in which they are in and restarts when they die. Uh, there is a brilliant setup for a story where a four year old. Uh, a four-year-old boy is by the time of 
Hold on, there's a little... You can do it. Yeah. Uh, There's a brilliant setup for the story itself, where a four-year-old boy is by the deathbed of Harry August and tells him that the world is ending earlier than expected. Mm. Sorry, my my brain's getting... It's okay. It's, Um, It's late and we're tired. Number five. Before the Coffee Gets Cold trilogy... The question is not who would time travel in a situation uh, where you can't change the past, but you have a say in the cafe and it only lasts about 15 minutes, but why? I would uh, suggest reading all three, in, if you, which you can, in an afternoon because they are short books before Ooh. the coffee gets cold. That sounds interesting. I'll check them out. Uh, number four, Futurama. Ah, yeah, they did some good ones, yeah. I thought this would be cheating as uh, he was frozen, but being frozen is as realistic as any other form of time travel. Plus, mm-hmm. there's actual time travel in the show, so it's fine. That's counts. It's fine. Uh, I... Uh, I'm a big fan of Futurama. I've watched yeah. I've watched the the DVD, all the DVDs and I watched them all with the commentary tracks as well. Yeah. So uh and there was a mandate on Futurama that they would have no time travel. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to do anything in the show and uh when they did do it it has to be like a one-time thing. Nobody invents yeah. a time machine. So uh they were watching a supernova and at the same time accidentally microwaving tin foil and those two things mac- like mixed together and that threw them back in time. Right. That was nothing, their, nothing that they can replicate. Yeah, that was their Roswell episode. Yeah, I remember that one. Um and then they said by when the show was canceled the first time they came back with um a movie. It's called Bender's Big Score and that was a time travel story. Right, cuz that was a big episode. It's like, okay, yeah. well we're going to do movie wise, we'll just do time travel. So, yeah. uh but yeah, they were they were trying to be really stingy with the time machines. Well, because the whole premise of the show is Fry's trapped in the future. If there's a time machine. Yeah, can't just, he won't be. Can't just go back. <laughs> yeah. And number 3, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. It's Groundhog Day with a- with aliens. Good times. Great and idea. speaking of Groundhog Day. Yeah. Classics that are classics for a reason. And number 1, About Time. It's my favorite movie of all time. Mm. Reminds me of my family on such a specific level. I uh, hope you like the list, Dr. Nova. Yeah, About Time made my runners-up. I seriously considered it in my top ten. It's 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 very, very good. It's very, very sentimental. Mm. Uh, the film that someone brought up to me that I realized, and it's a relatively recent film, uh-huh. and I re- just completely slipped my mind. Mm. But if I had thought of this, it would have made my top ten on that list. Petite Maman. Petite Maman. Yeah. Oh, the Celine Sciamma movie. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a sweet film. That's a wonderfully sweet yeah. film. If you've never, if you missed it, it was um, uh, it, it was last year. Or the year it was before? last year. It was just yeah. last year in the U.S. It was last yeah, year. I yeah. think it was came out in France the year before. It's it's about a a young girl who is uh, visiting uh, her grandmother's house. Her grandmother recently passed away, and her mother and her uh, uh, the mother and the daughter are uh, uh, coming by to just sort of take care of things. You know, put everything mm-hmm. away, put everything in boxes. And the little girl is kind of left to her own devices a lot and starts playing in the backyard. And in her backyard, she meets another little girl and they form a very, very close bond. And eventually she realizes she's seeing her mom as a child. Yeah, she, there's this yeah sort of time travel conceit where she's yeah. met her younger mother. And it is comp- the time travel conceit, the reason why, completely irrelevant. It is just about making a connection between generations. Mm. It is beautiful and it's like an hour long like it's it's like it's like such a quick watch you have no excuse not to watch this movie of it's not quite that short but it's yeah, really it's, short it's, hold on let me it's, it's really it's not a two and a half hour flick no 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 it is 73 minutes okay that's a very short film you have no excuse please see that movie it is so delightful it probably wouldn't have been my number one, but it definitely would have cracked my top yeah, ten. That's, I should have mentioned that one too. I forgot. Yeah, we de- It's so recent. About, uh, it's so recent. I just always slipped my mind. Yeah, and it's technically not like it's not like talked about as like 
time travel movies enough. Yeah. I think not enough people saw it to, like, crack the lists or anything like and, that. And there is, like, like, like a, an actual physical conceit after a while. A little, like an action yeah. sequence where they get in a boat and, like, in a children's adventure sort it's of a way. Like an action I wouldn't mm. call it that. But mm. there's, there's, whatever. Anyway, but it's wonderful. Please see it. All right. Uh, and here's another one on time travel. Okay, so great. Here's a letter from uh, the Windy. Hello, the Windy. Um, hello. Uh, hello, Bibbs Meister and Rox McCool. I'll be Rox McCool. Nice. Uh, Bibbs Meister sounds right. Uh, I was just listening to your latest The Iron List, insert sound effect, and wanted to add something you didn't mention. Mm. I'm personally very fond of Looper. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially in the yeah. way in which the past and the present of this movie are linked makes for some interesting conceits. Also, it is the last movie in which Bruce Willis actually acts. Um <sighs> I don't know if that's true, but that's still that's still up there. Yeah, he was. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce Willis has, unfortunately has gone through some um, uh, some some illness, but uh, Looper is mm. a film from Ryan Johnson that um, mm. stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a younger version of a same character played by Bruce Willis. There's time travel involved. There's uh, organized crime involved, mm. and there's also like psychic child. And for me. Looper is pretty great until you get to the psychic child stuff, which just feels kind of <laughs> arbitrary. It's yeah, it like, I don't really know feel... why that's a part of this time travel story. It, it just feels like mo- like you where there's movie A and there's movie B, and they're very clearly connected, and so combining them makes a lot of sense. And then there's movie C, which is here because it's neat, and it's like it doesn't really fit for me. So while I like Looper, I like it okay. Yeah, I don't love Looper, so Looper didn't make my list and didn't make runners up because I think uh... it's just kind of. It's too clever by half, and yeah, it doesn't really all tie uh, together very well for me. There's this weird um, causality torture scene. Oh yeah, in the movie that's actually like it's, it's just a good standout sequence. Yo, that sequence um, is creepy. I love that. Uh, I think it's Paul Dano plays this part, and um, mm. the idea is uh, his younger self is kidnapped in the past uh-huh. by uh, agents who can bounce back and forth in time, so they know where yeah. he's going to be in the future, and yeah. in order to convince uh him in the future they start torturing him in the past so the present day version of him like in the past they like they're torturing him so they like cut off one of his fingers and now all of a sudden his present, finger's gone his finger is just gone like it's already healed yeah. so now he's just missing a finger and he doesn't remember that happening yeah yet. it's really creepy like so yeah like body his body parts start vanishing it's really like twisted torture sequence that part's super great yeah, yeah. That, that, that's uh, a good whenever it's just dealing with the time travel stuff it's great whenever yeah. it's dealing with psychic kid stuff yeah well, yeah, that's another yeah. thing. Like, and some people are growing psychic powers and can, like flip coins. Kind of thought that's... that was gonna go somewhere other than justification for the plot. Yeah, this feels like, which is weird because Ryan Johnson's a very good screenwriter. I think he's usually very, very uh, ornate I, I, with how yeah, he. Uh, I feel like he got better. I feel like he's sure. like uh, he started out super shabby and not that great, and then mm. like found his feet. Did after you see a while. the Brothers Bloom? I didn't see the brothers. You would Bloom. like That's the, the brothers. One I, skipped, I think you would but, uh, really. Like, that is so much more mature okay. than a lot of his other early stuff. Yeah, because I saw. I think you would really I, like. I saw Brick, and I wasn't very fond of Brick. I, I feel I like it, Brick. I feel like it was just sort of ripping off uh, River's Edge, which I had seen well, already. Yeah, it's um, doing its own. Yeah, fair enough, but it's only it's good in its own right. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it felt a little too like. Like, like a really clever teenager was writing it. Well, you know, yeah, it was, that's, so it that's not a terrible thing. Well, not a terrible thing, but it like clearly wasn't a mature work, is my point. <sighs> I, think you're, I think you're cutting a little short, but all right. Uh, but yeah, Brothers Bloom is super duper great, though. I really think you should you should check that one. Yeah, it, it wasn't... Actually, it wasn't until uh, his, his Star Wars movie. It's like, oh, wait a minute. You have, like, things interesting, to say. interesting things to say. And then he did uh, Knives Out. I really liked Knives Out yeah. as well. So, 
Have you seen Glass Onion yet? Not yet. Uh, I think I have have an invite coming, but yeah, that one's coming out soon. Yeah, I'm stoked. All right. Anyway, uh, in addition to Looper, Ah, uh, the Windy says, uh, what I really wanted to highlight, though, uh, was a film called Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Ha! Uh, A 2020 ultra-low-budget Japanese film that made the festival rounds, very much in the vein of One Cut of the Dead. It is a brisk 70 minutes. (laughs) Look at this cat. Just the cat, cat <laughs> bothering you here. He's like, he's like hanging off my chair. Anyway, it's a, 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 it made the festival rounds. It's very much in the vein of One Cut of the Dead. Hmm. It is a brisk seventy minutes, and while it has a very simple setup and is easy to follow, it blows my mind how they kept their heads straight while filming what has to be an insanely complicated screenplay to shoot. I, I highly recommend it to to anyone. It's fun. It's scary. It's smart, and will capture you from the title two minutes until the very end. Yeah, a uh, cafe thank- owner discovers that the TV in his cafe shows images from the future, but only two minutes. Oh, fun! That's okay. fun. That, that's that's really like a cool. Twilight Zone kind of. That's a great thing, Twilight yeah. Zone concept. Yeah, uh, and it's another one that's really short, seventy minutes long. Uh, thank you for another great list. Predestination is probably my number one. Okay, I have a good one. Yours, the windy. You know, in retrospect, I actually heard about Beyond the Infinite two minutes, and I regret not seeing it now because oh, okay. it looks really interesting. Um, I, I admire anyone who can write that level of complicated time travel story. That's sort of uh, everything from like two minutes ago has to happen again now and has to have new context. And if you can keep all that shit straight in your head, I remember this is slightly different, but like I remember I interviewed the screenwriters who worked on the majority of the Saw sequels. Okay. And you recall that the Saw movies start messing around with the timeline a lot. And, like, the beginning of Saw 3 was the ending of Saw 5. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets, like, really fucking elaborate. And I just ask him, what was your dry erase board like? And they're like, <laughs> we had post-its hanging off of that thing and long sheets just connected to each other. Like, it's, it's really keep, complicated keep keeping all that track. Yeah. Keeping track of that stuff's hard. It's one of the harder things to do. I, I admire that. If when, when plot is actually important, like in a time travel story or in a mystery, mm-hmm. keeping all that shit straight when it's that complicated is a Herculean effort, and yeah, I admire yeah. that. Well, I, 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 I talked about the movie Primer, and that's yeah. like really impenetrable. Like it's like yeah. when you pay attention, you can see how it all links up. But you really, but yeah, have to pay you, you really have to pay really close. You have to pay attention, attention and you should probably have a primer. Actually, you should probably have like a primer on primer. They actually do have like online, like you know, just sort of like how you can tell which timeline is who and who's mm-hmm. from what timeline yeah, and what, wait, how many times of, of how many times have they gone back in time scene, now yeah. and how do you know this guy's maybe from a different? It's so fucking complicated. It's it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, do we have time for one more? Sure. Um, here's a letter from Joshua. Hi, Hi Joshua. Joshua. Uh, hey, Rocky and Bibbs. Uh, that's us. Nice. Uh, um, uh, hi, Bullwinkle. Wait, no, you're Rocky. <laughs> oh, Rocky. Um, I just listened. I just listened to the most '80s movies of the '80s Iron List. That's one oh, we did a little while. That was ago. a while ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a great episode, and I loved how you guys uh, even put movies you didn't necessarily like but thought should be on the list because of how '80s it was. Hmm. The the premise of the list is uh, just the films of that decade, which we felt from our experience, defined uh, our version of the decade. Yeah, and then to be fair, that's a very limited experience, and a lot of people have yeah. very different versions of yeah, we, how we, they experienced that decade, yeah, and we, we, uh, we had that caveat a lot in there. Yeah, we but, put, yeah. yeah covered that thing with disclaimers. Um, you guys said to email if you had any ideas for what we thought should be on the list, so here are mine. Okay. But for context, I was born in 1995, Ooh. so my thoughts on the 80s come from pop culture and my parents who were born in the 70s and grew up in the 80s, and I watched a lot of the I love the 80s from VH1, so that makes me somewhat of an expert. No, no, I actually love this because I think about this a lot. I was born in 1982, uh-huh. and I, you know, the 70s were still kind of alive in the 80s. There was a lot of, like, the movies and TV were on television, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, but I never had 
the first-hand knowledge. I was always just on the other end of it. Yeah. So when I saw films, they weren't necessarily set in the 70s, but movies like from the 70s, to me, they were old, uh-huh. and they were kind of retro, but to like my parents, that was the recent That's past. That's just what they saw, yeah. Yeah, so like I'm very fascinated with people who were just like born just on the edge of it, just to see what they think the 80, what was the eighties to them. I'm mean, very yeah. curious. I'm, I love this. Right. I'm very interested. Yeah, I, I, I was born. I was two years old at the start of the. I was born 1978. Okay. So, um, I, I, yeah, I was there for uh, a little bit more conscious for yeah. the 1970s influence. Sure. I had a horizontally striped shirt Ooh. that alternated. Uh, Yellow, brown, and orange. Ooh, that is a like, very seventies shirt. That's like, yeah, yeah, I had like the seventies bowl cut. Oh like I was, God. I was young, you young enough no, to have you know the seventies little kid look about yeah. me. Uh, anyway, um, so my first eighties movie of the eighties would be Scarface. My okay. relationship to Scarface is probably different for most people uh, listening, as I'm from Miami. Oh, and, well, and, there my par- and my parents are Cuban. Oh, and that some of go. my family members came on rafts and boats, like you see in the beginning of the movie. The Scarface poster was in all my older cousins and uncles' houses, and they had some sort of Scarface DVD box set, and a lot of Cubans to see Pacino as an honorary Cuban. <laughs> That's very generous of you. Yeah. <laughs> Now older, I realize maybe the movie wasn't the best depiction of our culture, but just on the 80s aspect alone, this movie screams the decade from the vapor wave aesthetics of 1980s Miami to the push it to the limit song that plays in the movie to uh, the song also highlights themes of greed and sex that play out throughout the movie. Oh, and let's not forget all the cocaine. Yeah, uh, that's a very 80s amount of cocaine, Yeah, which is to say all of it. Uh, second, mm. the breakdance movie Beat Street. I've actually never seen Beat Street. Uh, I think I have seen Beat Street. Uh, uh, Beat Street is pretty much the grittier version of Breakin', as it focuses more on the relationships and lives of the inner city kids and probably has one of the best breakdance battle sequences set on a subway platform. Nice. Third is a tie Mm. between the documentary Style Wars and the movie Wild Style, which which is regarded as the first hip-hop motion picture, according to Wikipedia, and both depict graffiti culture of 80s New York. I've seen Style Wars and I've seen Wild Style. Yeah, that's a great double feature, that Mm. is, yeah. Uh, number four is Crush Groove. Okay. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of break dance. Like on under, underground hip-hop. A lot of um, underground movies, music, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the movie that, uh, the, that is an 80s hip-hop fan's dream. It's about Blair Underwood starting his own record company and attracting the talents of Run DMC, LL Cool J, Sheila E, The Fat Boys, Curtis Blow, and New Edition, whom all star in the movie and play themselves. Nice. His partner in the movie is Rick Rubin. <laughs> the wow. real-life mega-producer also plays himself in the movie. The movie is just an excuse to have non-stop performances of 80s hip-hop stars, and it's awesome for That's, it. That, yeah. yeah, cool. Uh, I, I remember when uh, Rick Rubin like, went into sort of like semi-retirement, mm. and I remember when he came back uh, with Metallica. Mm. He, did, he produced one of uh, Metallica's record, Death Magnetic, in like 2008. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, it felt like they got the Pope's blessing. Like it was, it was like this big. It was this big deal that they got Rick Rubin yeah. to produce their record. And you know what? That record fucking rocks. There you go. It 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 almost almost washes the taste of Saint Anger away. Nothing will ever wash the taste of Saint Anger away. Saint Anger sucks. Saint Anger is not a good album. No, that no. was that the one they did that docu- That's when they did the documentary. Yeah, about, some right? kind of monster. They oh did yeah, a documentary that's... about the making of Saint oh, Anger. God. I'm amazed they, Metallica they, they needed... let that get out. Oh god, it, they <laughs> were some, like so bad. They were, like such whiny and title like, jerks in that movie. It's really illuminating. I'll give you that. Yeah. But I'm seriously like I'm literally surprised they saw that movie and were like, 
you can release this. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, would, I would be hesitant. I think it was sort of like a warts and all thing. It's like, this is this is how it really but works. I, 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 I don't mean that, like, I'm disappointed. I'm actually, like, impressed yeah. that they were that they were willing to be that vulnerable in, yeah, that, yeah. in public. Because that's not them at their best at no, all. No, no. Yeah, watch some kind, of mon- uh, some kind of monster. Listen to St. Anger if you can. It's... <laughs> It's a, it's a rough listen. It's like yeah. 85 minutes. It's not, it's a, good, just bad it's not a good album. It's just bad. Yeah. Anyway, uh, onward. Um, and my last pick is the best high school wrestling movie ever made, Vision Quest. Oh, uh, Vision I Quest. probably picked this for selfish reasons as I was a wrestler in high school. Well, and this is sadly the best wrestling movie. Uh, sadly. <laughs> uh, just for just for the title alone, it screams the 80s. It also has an early cameo from Madonna. It has an amazing scene in which the main protagonist, uh, Loden Swain, played by Matthew Modine, is warming up to the song Lunatic Fringe. Well, those are my 80s movies picks. Thank you guys so much for all you do. I've been listening to you guys since 2017. Wow. And you've been there for many moments in my life, and you don't even know it. Please be well, you guys. Uh, P.S. How come you guys didn't review Barbarian? <laughs> Sent from Joshua. Uh, short answer. We didn't see Barbarian in time. No, I saw it just recently. I, I did, too. I just caught it. I, it's on HBO Max, mm. and I was like, oh, I need to see this before it gets completely spoiled for me. Yeah, so, yeah. so uh, uh, first off, in regards to your email about movies from the 80s, I would be very curious to anyone listening to this podcast if you were born again around two thousand. If you're so, born in the yeah. in the nineties and want to talk about movies from the eighties or seventies that you think sort of like define that decade it, to you, this is what you think that decade is. I'd be very curious about. Same thing with the two thousands. Anyone want to talk about the nineties? I would be v- again. You not if you were born. If you're maybe if you're born in ninety nine, it's okay. But like yeah. you can't have like been like conscious mm-hmm. for part of it. You missed the nineties. You were just on the other edge. And those are kind of old movies to yeah. you, as they would be. Tell us what movies you think were the 90s, were yeah. the 80s. I would love to hear that because I don't know what that generation necessarily thinks of that. Yeah. And, and I the, just, I would love, to, I don't know if there's a consensus, but I'd be very fascinated. And, yeah. not, and not just like the best movies. I mean like the movies that you think, oh, that's what the 90s were. That's what it was like to be around in the 90s. If I was like walking around, it would look like this or it would feel like this or the music would be like this or whatever. Mm. I'd be very curious. Um, Speaking of 90s movies, I I saw Empire Records for the first time recently. Oh, for the very first time? No shit. Okay. That is a very 90s movie. Very nice, not very good. Uh, it's it's, it's likable. It's going for like a clerk's vibe and and failing. Well, Um, clerks, clerks had an existential crisis at its core. Empire Records is hanging out. It's, it's hanging out, but it doesn't even have that hangout vibe. Yeah. Like, there's too much story going on. No, it's so. a little artificial. It's it's a likable film. It's definitely a likable it's, film. It's not, it's, there's not it's, much to it, but he'll like it. It's yeah. like it's not good, but it's likable. That's yeah. kind of a weird thing to say. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, here's what's odd about the 80s and 90s. Like, you and yeah. I could probably speak pretty sharply about uh, films of the 1980s, because uh-huh. we were around in the 80s. Yeah. Definitely in the 90s, because we were teenagers in the 90s. Yeah, we were a little bit more cognizant yeah, so, yeah. of what was around Na- us. 90s, than, yeah, 90s yeah. for me was 12 to 22. So yeah. I was watching so for me, it was like stuff. 8 to 18. I was um, very there, yeah. The 2000s were... 22 to 32 for me ages 22 to 32 and that's when it kind of lost the line yeah that's when pop culture started to sort of evade me a little bit so i actually have a lot less of a handle as to what the 2000s were like because i was an adult i was entering the workforce we had distractions that were keeping us from just simply being immersed in culture so yeah i I was in college and then in the workforce you were already in the workforce and it's a little different yeah i could tell you like what sort of movies I watched at the time, sure, and try to come to a consensus, but I was I didn't have me like my thumb on the pulse. I, you, so like the two thousands to the two thousand tens, 
Yeah. I feel like I'd be way less, even though I saw a lot more movies, mm-hmm. I'd be way less equipped to talk about the dominant attitudes and trends of the time. That this this may just be me. I, I don't know if other people agree with this. But to me, especially in terms of music, uh-huh. I feel as though the music of a generation belongs to the high schoolers. Yeah. Like to the teenagers. I feel like the, that's the music well, what, that will what, define what's, what's the your best, generation. Yeah. What's the best record you've ever heard of? It came out when you were 16. There's that's, a decent chance yeah. it came out when you were 16. Because that's when you're like really you're, you're you're really present for the music and you're really feeling it. And it's not just this thing that's coming in from the periphery. You have time to focus on what music is right now. And as a result, I in the 2000s, I knew some of the stuff that was coming out. I was listening, mm-hmm. but it wasn't defining me. Yeah. For me, you know, the stuff that defined me musically were stuff like, and I'm going to pick the most mainstream stuff just because it's, there's non-mainstream stuff as well, but the stuff people can connect to, like, oh, I get it. Jagged Little Pill, Paranoid Android, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, okay, Computer, sorry, that was the name of the album. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know that for the 2000s. I definitely don't know that for the 2010s. I mean, I know Taylor Swift is popular. That's what I got. Um, uh, Lord knows why. I've heard her music. It's, it's fine. It's I'm not. I don't. I, have, I think I actually have, think her early stuff is more interesting. I've but um, utterly no fondness for Taylor Swift. I, I, whatever. Anyway, uh, but to your second question, which is why didn't we review Barbarian? Quite simply, we hadn't seen it yet. You want to do a really quick review of Barbarian? Sure, quick review okay. of Barbarian. We're not going to go into the big spoilers because it's still relatively recent. Yeah, and some people it's a very spoiler-heavy film. But uh, Barbarian is a horror film, if you haven't seen it. It's about uh, a woman who goes to an Airbnb. Turns and out it's, it's double-booked. Well, and, it's, uh, it's, it's significant that it's an Airbnb in a, a very distant, disused neighborhood in Detroit. Yeah, not a good neighborhood at all. Mm. Really creepy area. And uh, she gets there, and it turns out someone's already booked there. And it's Bill Skarsgård, so you're already suspicious. Because he was Pennywise in it. Um, <laughs> well, also, yeah, like he's he's a, a man about her age. He's a little bit threatening. Mm-hmm. He's polite in a way that is just suspicious enough. Uh huh. Like, like he offers so, to make her a drink, and I'm like, uh oh, like but, that kind of thing. And he, he says like some things that are really considerate. Like I, I wanted to share a bottle of wine with you, but I wanted to open it in your presence, so you know I'm not tampering with the wine. So yeah. it's like he understands. He's, he's, he understands there's a little bit of a threat, yeah. but also like. He says some things that are a little bit flirty and, you know, talks yeah. about, you know, how, how attractive she is. Anyway, long story short, uh, a big chunk of the movie is just them getting to know each other. You're not sure where the threat is. And then at some point in the film, she goes down into the basement. Mm. It turns out there's a secret room in the basement. She finds a hidden door, goes down a little uh, hallway. Yeah. And it's and finds... Uh, creepy. Just say it's creepy stuff. Cre- cre- well, uh, I'll say what she finds in that first room, because that's first yeah. act stuff, and this is fair game. Okay. Uh, she finds a secret room, and... In it is a, a bear mattress uh-huh. and a video camera. Yeah, and it's like, and it's, and it's it's like, like a stained mattress. It looks like, like a, a yeah. it looks like one of the puzzle rooms from Saw. Like yeah, it doesn't it looks look like good. white stained room yeah. and a single bear. Ball. It's, it's, it's not like this... it's not a, it's not like a secret third bedroom. It's a place where bad things happen. Yeah. Anyway, bad bad things happen, and then well, the but, movie takes. A, yeah. I was going to say this. Yeah. The movie takes a massive shift, and from that point on, it may not be predictable where it's going to go. Um, and it goes on from there, but it, because the movie is structured, literally structured on a series of reveals, I don't want to go into great detail about that. Uh, here's my thing with Barbarian. It's a good structure in search of a good story. Mm. I think that the structure of it is specifically designed, not unlike, at least conceptually, uh, Psycho. 
uh-huh. to keep you on your toes and not keep you wondering where this is going to go. And I think that the ominousness, the the creeps, the uh, l- eerie foreshadowings are enough to keep your attention. But I think once the film finally reveals what it's about, what is going on, um, it gets a lot less interesting and frankly it gets pretty hypocritical. I, I, on some, I do. I think so. I think there's a there's an element of the movie. I think the main crux of it is about, and without giving anything away, uh, men who don't listen to women, mm. men who, for whether they're villains, oblivious, or anywhere in between, uh, they don't take women seriously. They don't listen to women, and it leads to a lot of bad things happening. And yet. There's also an element of the movie that just specifically demonizes womanhood. And I think that that is really undermining the basic premise and makes the film feel really insincere to me. And it feels more like just an engine in order to get you than it does feel like a particularly coherent, relevant horror narrative. Hmm. I, I think the the themes of exploitation are pretty strong. Sure. And uh, we get to see how... Uh, this is a movie about how men aren't trustworthy and how women yes. are exploited. Yes, uh, and uh, you know, women uh, not only are are kind of made in. I'm trying to be as vague as possible here because yeah. I don't want to give anything. But women are sort of made in the image of men, and are expected to uh, be a certain way and be and perform certain roles. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a big part as to what what this movie's really getting at. And I think it's pretty solid. Uh, I, I, I think I, it goes I, too I, far in one direction, and I think that okay, direction... I'd, I'd, I'd like to you know what ask, I'm getting at, right? You no, can tell, I actually oh, don't. Really? I'd like to, to ask you a little bit more about this after the, the podcast mm-hmm. is over. But, right. uh, yeah, I'd, um, I'd like to know what a little bit more what you're talking about. Yeah, I, well, unfortunately, it's a difficult conversation to have. Another reason why it's difficult to talk about movies like Barbarian, where they're based on a series of twists that happened early mm-hmm. enough in the film... And predicated on surprise. Yeah, like, we don't want to ruin the experience for you, and but, uh, you know, we didn't tell anyone we were going to be doing this. This is... All off the cuff. We never prep these uh, letters episodes ahead of time, so we didn't. We weren't able to like really do any warnings for it. So, um, I, gu- I guess you liked it more than I did. I guess we can boil I, it. That was fine. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's I, not I, you know, one of my favorites of the year. No, I, know, I think I, it's getting a little overpraised, but uh, yeah. it's it's still I, still good. Horror, I think maybe. it's been an astoundingly good year for horror. And although Barbarian was a big hit, and a lot of people mm-hmm. really really liked it, for me, it's not upper echelon of the year. So, yeah. what, what I'm definitely going to catch up on is Terrifier Two. I have um, heard some interesting things about Terrifier yeah, too. Like people are throwing up in the theater. It's like, well, I got to see that. One. That's a very Whitney yeah. thing. That that's guaranteed Whitney's interest. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you everybody for listening to We've Got Mail. If you want to contribute to a later episode of We've Got Mail, feel free to email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We also have a PO box if you prefer to send in a physical letter. We always open an episode with those if we have them. Uh, pretty much a guarantee to get on the episode. Whitney, what is our PO box? Yeah, send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, PO Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. And again, uh, feel free to comment anything we discussed in the past or give us new topics to talk about in the future. It's all fair game. We love to hear from you and we love to uh, to, to converse with whoever we can means a lot to us. Uh, feel free to join the Patreon if you would really, really like to. Uh, even $1 a month, you get ad-free episodes 
of uh, this particular show and all of our future shows. Uh, you also get a whole bunch of exclusive bonus shows about stuff like the Step Up franchise or every single Star Trek episode ever or every film ever nominated for Best Picture. We also do commentary tracks. Uh, if you like time travel, we're planning to do a commentary track for the original The Terminator before the end of the month. Um, thank you to every single one of our patrons. You, you're wonderful, and without you... We would not exist. The show would not be here. It wouldn't be possible. And uh, thank you to everybody who, even if you can't sign up for Patreon, thank you for subscribing. If you have an opportunity to leave us a review, that would mean the world to us. It really helps us bump up the algorithm and find big more audiences, especially with Twitter dying. That might be more useful. <laughs> uh, we are on Twitter, uh, while it exists, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. Uh, I am also on Mastodon, if you're interested. Uh, it is at William Bibiani. At bbq.snoot.com. Do, do you choose that, or are those like cute code words they that is now? That is, you pick a server, oh. and you can switch servers later, and I might at some point, but uh, the server I picked was where a lot of the uh, film people I knew on Twitter were going. Okay. So I just, I, I got kind of overwhelmed by how many servers there are, and I was worried about picking the wrong choice, so I just went with what the most people I know were picking. Okay. But you can change at any time, so I might do that at some point. But for now, that's where I am. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, so, cool. I guess that's that. Thank you. Oh, and uh, uh, my partner, M. Lopez da Silva, has a new novelette. It's part of the Split Scream series over at Dreadstone Press. Uh, it is... Uh, one book, two novelettes, and uh, their story, What Ate the Angels, uh, is a queer horror story set uh, in the uh, in the vast, unexplored catacombs underneath Los Angeles. It includes uh, ASMR, lesbian vor, non-binary romance, and it, the reviews have been really great so far. So check that out wherever you can find various books. It's a great gift for the holidays. Mm. Um, I guess that's it. So thank you, everybody, once again, and sincerely yours, Pips and Whitney. Thank you.